grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. on Jesus, and since this is our last midweek Latin service, we're going to focus especially on the words of Jesus before Pontius Pilate, as found recorded in the Gospel of Mark, with the special theme and focus on worldly eyes. We continue our Passion History reading of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as found recorded in the four Gospels. This Section is titled, Jesus' Death on the Cross. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. It was the third hour when they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left and Jesus in the middle. Thus the scripture was fulfilled which says, he was counted with the lawless ones. Jesus said, Father forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened above his head on the cross. The written charge against him read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them. They cast lots to see what each would get. The undergarment remained. It was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, They divided my garments among themselves and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. The people, too, stood watching. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. Even the rulers sneered at him. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him heap insults on him. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. 
aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. But the rest said, leave him alone now. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him and take him down. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he bowed his head and gave up his life. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. The centurion who stood there in front of Jesus and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened. They were terrified, yet they praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. Surely he was the Son of God. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him stood at a distance. They included many women who had followed Jesus from Galilee, to care for his needs, among them Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and Joseph, and Salome the mother of Zebedee's sons, many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was now the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath, because the Lord, or because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and, the, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. 
Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may have faith. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded. According to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, we read verses 1 through 20. And as I read these words, please keep in mind that these words do not include all the events that took place when Jesus was before Pilate. But they definitely are a highlight of a number of events that took place. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests, along with the elders, the experts in the law, and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, It is as you say. The chief priests accused him of many things. Pilate questioned him again, Are you not going to answer anything? See how many charges they are bringing against you? But Jesus still did not answer anything. So Pilate was amazed. At each festival, Pilate used to release to the people one prisoner whom they requested. There was one named Barabbas who was in prison with the rebels and had committed murder in the rebellion. The crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Pilate replied, Do you want me to release the king of the Jews to you? In fact, he knew it was because of envy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas to them instead. Again, Pilate replied to them, Then what do you want me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? Crucify him, they shouted back. But Pilate said to them, Why? What has he done wrong? But they shouted even louder, Crucify him. Since he wanted to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. After he had Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led him away inside the palace, which is the praetorium, and called together the whole cohort of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, twisted together a crown of thorns, and put it on him. The soldiers began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. They kept hitting him on the head with a reed and was spitting on him. They also kneeled down to pay homage to him. When they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothing on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Early in my ministry, I decided that when it came to pastoral counseling, there were certain words I would not use. Like, for instance, I would never tell someone that 
uh, I feel your pain. Or to tell someone is, I know what you're going through. And even if I had something very similar to what they were actually going through, I can't actually say that I know their pain. I know the pain I may have felt, but do I know the pain they feel? And since no two people are the same, our feelings are not the same as well. We can relate, we can sympathize, but we will never know because we cannot read a heart. We can look at actions, but since we cannot read a heart, what a person is actually going through. When I hear of Jesus saying nothing, with all the accusations that were being brought up against him, and even Pilate was amazed that Jesus remained silent, we don't know what he was thinking. And I can't help but ask myself, Is here is a man, what is he thinking in, in the sense of he's innocent? These accusations, that was all fake news. This was all wrong. They, they were accusing an innocent man and then wanting death for him. And then in connection with that, what was Jesus actually thinking? Knowing that he's suffering for the sins of the world. We're told that the whole Sanhedrin came to a decision. If you recall last Wednesday, we considered the words that are recorded about Jesus and the whole Sanhedrin, the whole Sanhedrin trial. It was a kangaroo court. And when Jesus was being falsely accused, remember, it was Caiaphas, the high priest, who finally took control of the meeting and said to Jesus, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? And Jesus would reply back, I am. And with that, the high priest would rip his robe. The, the people that were there, these Jewish leaders, would, would all of a sudden rise up and everyone was yelling blasphemy and that he is worthy of death. Remember, all of this took place when it was nighttime, before the rooster crowed. And since this all took place, none of this was considered legal. So now we come to the second session of the court. And now we're hearing the whole Sanhedrin was there. Quite possibly, they weren't all there that early morning. But now they're all together. No doubt to put the stamp that this is now considered legal. And since they had no right to, to uh, end him by stoning, they would take him to Pontius Pilate to try to get Pontius Pilate to put Jesus to death by Roman way. Crucifixion. Now, they had accused Jesus of blasphemy, but that would never work with Pilate. In fact, Pilate was not even a Jew. He, his God would have certainly been Caesar himself and also a number of other gods. So Pilate could care less that Jesus claimed 
to be the Son of God, the Christ. So instead of bringing up blasphemy to Pilate, they instead brought up treason. And under Roman law, that was the catch word. That was worthy of death. In fact, they came up with three accusations, all dealing with treason. One is he's subverting the nation from Galilee all the way down to Jerusalem. He's refusing to pay taxes to Caesar, and he claims to be Christ the king. And out of all three of them, it was that last one that Pilate pulled Jesus aside and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus actually replied, yes, that he is a king, in other words, not just king of the Jews, but that he was a king, and that his kingdom was not of this world, and he could call down servants to rescue him. And then Jesus said something very profound, and Pilate's answer is fascinating. Jesus told them that everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate replied, what is truth? Like, the truth is no big deal, because it's whatever you want it to be. And it was certainly that way for Pilate. Pilate actually came out and declared to the Jewish leaders, I find no basis for the death penalty. And Pilate now will spend the next couple hours actually trying to get Jesus off as the crowd was starting to build and, and people were starting to you know, rule by mob, all incited by the religious leaders. Pilate would use a number of different things uh, to try to show that Jesus should be let go. Oh, first he went and when he heard that Jesus was a Galilean, Herod was in town, so he sent him to Herod, and, and Herod was all excited to see Jesus because he was hoping Jesus would perform a miracle, which Jesus didn't. And since Jesus remained silent, he just had Jesus beaten up and sent back to Pilate. The two were enemies, and because of this very episode, they actually became friends. One of the biggest things that Pilate did to try to get Jesus freed, to try to emphasize the fact that there is no basis for the death penalty here, was he would offer releasing of a prisoner. This was his practice release one of the prisoners. Now, did they choose the prisoner? I, I truly believe that it was Pilate who would, who would choose the prisoner. In fact, today we would call what Pilate did as love and logic. And this is a method taught to teachers, is when you're dealing with a problem child, Instead of screaming and hollering at them, what you do is you give them two choices. But the key is you have to give them the ch choice. I mean, you come up with the choice, but they have to make the choice. So let's say they're goofing around with their pencil. Okay, the choice is you put the pencil down or I will take it away. It's your choice. And of course, if they reply, well, I have to think about it. No, you made your choice. The pencil's taken away. So here, Pilate brings out a notorious murderer. And he was, 
He was involved in a rebellion. This was a man, Barabbas, who, by the way, is worthy of death by crucifixion. That's probably what was awaiting him. And in addition, this was not a man you wanted release running through your town. And which one are you going to choose? And he left it up to the crowd. Barabbas, the murderer, or Jesus, the king of the Jews, innocent. They chose Barabbas. Well, what do you want me to do with Jesus? Crucify him. Crucify him, they would yell. Oh, Pilate even had Jesus taken and flogged. And if you remember, flogging was, was severe. A lot, many times people didn't survive a flogging. Some people saw flogging as actually a merciful act, especially if they were going to face crucifixion. It sped up their death. It, it was a handle that they would hold in their hands, and usually like three leather straps, and at the end of the straps was usually tied metal fragments or bones so that with every slapping and whipping, flesh would be gouged out. And there were usually two soldiers involved, each taking their turn on the side. And even when they brought Jesus out and he showed them the crowd and Jesus terribly beaten, the people still yelled, crucify him, crucify him. That's when Pilate said, why? What has he done wrong? And yet, they kept yelling, crucify him, crucify him. The soldiers would now get involved. We're told a cohort, which is actually a tenth of a legion. And so by standards of that time, a legion being 10,000, you're talking thousand, but you know, oftentimes the word legion, even though it meant thousand, was not actually a thousand. So many commentators believe that a tenth of that was probably more than likely 600. 600 soldiers for one man who's already been beaten. 600 soldiers now joining together to mock Jesus. They would put a, per they would put a purple robe around him, or really a scarlet robe, no doubt the robe of a Roman soldier, and they put it down around him to look like it, uh, it was a royal purple robe. And then, and then they went fashioned from a, from a plant that, had, that would have been from a thicket and, and, and had, you know, spokes, so to speak, wound it together and placed it on Jesus' head as a mock crown. They would actually put a reed in his hand, and this was to represent the scepter, and this scepter was always supposed to be for a king, his symbol of royalty and power and authority. And Jesus is given a reed. They actually took the reed from his hand and, and hid it on his head as they beat the crown of thorns into his head. They knelt down. They saluted him. They said, Hail, King of the Jews. 
This was no honor. This was pure humiliation. They mocked the Son of God. And it would be after all that that the soldiers, by the authority of Pontius Pilate, would be taken out to the place called the Skull, Golgotha, where he would be nailed to the cross. It would be at nine o'clock in the morning, and Jesus would bow his head and gave up his spirit at three o'clock in the afternoon. This, my friends, is what happened to Jesus before Pontius Pilate. And don't for one minute think that Pilate seemed to be weak. Pilate was a very cruel man. He put many Jews to death. We're told in scripture he would even take people's sacrifices and their lives and had their blood mixed in with their sacrifices. Purely blasphemy and sacrilege. This man is dealing with a mob. Another Jew dying at his hands probably was not that big of a deal. It amazes me how he went out of his way trying to encourage the crowd that he was going to let him go. But the crowd prevailed. And Pilate certainly gave in. And yet in the light of all of that, we still confess that Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Pilate can wash his hands and say, I'm innocent of this man's blood. But we rightly confess that he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He was the Roman authority, and he carried out his authority. Pilate would look at, certainly, Jesus in, with worldly eyes. And one thing that we see in this text, that when it comes to worldly eyes, that the world hates Jesus. And when it comes to hating him, they'll see Jesus in the way they believe they, they see him. And no doubt, Jesus looked like he was a disappointment, a failure, a fake. This is the Son of God? This is the Savior? This is the one that they mocked to come down from the cross if he's really the Christ claiming, I am the Son of God? Oh, disappointed. Because this isn't the one who's going to rescue us. This isn't our bread king who's going to satisfy us and give us whatever we want. This is not a king who's going to come in with his army and establish a new kingdom where all other kingdoms must submit before him here on earth. This is not the glorious king. He's being punished. He's being executed. He's being tortured. He's dying. And he's even dead. And so what a failure. What good is this Jesus? Remember the words that Jesus said to Pontius Pilate. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Pilate will say what is truth. And, and the world sees that. Truth is whatever you want it to be. You can decide. And I can give up tons of examples where you're hearing people talk like this. What is truth? And in fact, what people are coming up with is what is truth is totally against even the natural laws of nature. 
It's totally insane what people are claiming to be true and what they're willing to fight and, and which mountain they're willing to set their flag on when it comes to the truth they demand that they have the right to hold to. And if anyone is against it, they're offended and upset and you have no right to go against how I feel. But the truth that really matters is not what people believe is the truth. The truth that really matters is the absolute truth that God says. And at the heart of the absolute truth is a merciful Savior, not just a gracious one. And we all, I oftentimes speak of Jesus as being gracious, but don't overlook the fact that Jesus is also merciful. Grace and mercy, we oftentimes translate the same way. We translate it undeserved love. But grace always is a more general word that is used to describe the heart of God, and the result of it is God's peace. That's why the Apostle Paul opens many of his letters with grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Mercy paints a picture of a courtroom. It is a word that is used by the guilty party who has nothing left because he is guilty. The law has showed that he is guilty. He can't get out of it. All the excuses in the world will not work. So the last thing he has is to say to the judge, have mercy. But in Jesus' case, when we as sinful human beings and the law has showed us our sins, that we are sinful human beings, we cannot deny it. And knowing we have fallen short of God's glory, we cannot deny the fact that we deserve his anger, his condemnation. We deserve eternal death in hell. And yet the judge says not guilty. He doesn't say it because he's a weak judge and, and he announces this judgment because he is lighthearted and it's not a big deal. No, Jesus, our Savior, who is our judge, is merciful because he did what no other judge would do. He took our place. He took the punishment so that we would have life and life eternal. He paid the debt. He died. And when he said it is finished, the death has been paid in full. And the blessings of forgiveness, new life, and eternal salvation is ours through faith in Christ alone. This is mercy like no other, truly undeserved, but a love beyond love. So as we keep our eyes on Jesus, and we do so now coming into Holy Week, which begins this Sunday with Palm Sunday, we do so not looking at the Savior with worldly eyes, but looking at the Savior with believing and repentant eyes. And a repentant eye clings to Jesus, who is merciful. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding 
Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.